From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Brian Degnan from FastSpring. Brian, it's so nice to have you on. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. First, first podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about yourself and your company. Yeah, I've been in sales most of my life, although I've had a very diverse sales background. I've been in the auto industry, but sold not, uh, among other things. But in recent history, last 15 years or so, I've been in, in software. And I love building inside sales. It's been my passion and specialty. I think it's the perfect mix of science with sales. And yeah, I love it. Nice. That's really cool. And speaking of science, you have to tell the listeners about where you're at. You have the coolest office <laughs> setup. Yeah, it's, I, I often get one of two responses when someone joins a, a Zoom meeting and they see my background. I'm asked either if I'm a part of Breaking Bad and making meth or if it's a fake background. And neither of those are true. I'm just in my basement in lovely Santa Barbara, California, and I have a bunch of brewing equipment around me. Um, a hobby gone wild at this point. And, uh, yeah, That's so I, I awesome. I make a ton of beer, but it looks very interesting behind me for sure. Yeah, yeah. For those listening, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like mad science experiment equipment and all that. And it looks like tons of fun. Big stainless steel containers, some microscopes, the, the whole nine. Yeah, you got everything. That's awesome. So tell me a bit about your company and the space that you guys are in. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually at an interesting point in our life cycle right now. Where we have our core business and we have a, a new, new market that we've launched into and a new product. So I'll start with the core business. It's called FastSpring. Our customers are software companies that bring their software on their website. So think a buy now button. And what we do for them is, is help them convert their traffic into buyers, them manage the complexity of payments around the world. So we help them go global. And we take on the responsibility for things like sales tax around the world. So it makes it very simple for them. The new business we've launched into is, is called Sales. And that's a, a interactive sales quoting tool that sales reps are using to reduce friction in the buying cycle at the end, socialize complex pricing, uh, things like that. And we're selling to the inverse of what I just described, software companies who sell with sales reps, not on Nice. Well, that's very cool. So for each of these spaces, tell me a bit about what the customer looks like. It sounds like one is maybe that e-commerce customer, the other is a, a software company. Could you elaborate a bit on, on each of those? Yeah. So in both cases, we are targeting software companies exclusively. Software and SaaS companies. Downloadable software is actually still a huge thing. I didn't know that was the case until I entered this business. No, but it is very much alive and, and running. On our core business, willing to really the S of the SMB. These are small companies. They are all over the world. They're not only in the US or Silicon Valley. In fact, the barrier to entry to create great 
software is now nothing, right? You have folks all over the place creating great software. And our job is to find those small companies that have great software and help them compete with the big guys by giving them world-class e-commerce. So they're very much founder run, four or five employees, maybe 50. Oftentimes they don't have an office. So real small companies. Nice. Um, yeah. The other product is again, an inverse. Obviously our hope is that there's a lot of crossover here, but the sales teams that we're targeting are ones around 20 sales folks or so that have pricing that is often negotiated, complex, and uh, a sales cycle that, that we can help improve upon, but both software companies. Cool. Awesome. So tell me a bit about what this last year has looked like for you. I know you're telling me you guys are way ahead of the curve in terms of remote work and sales and all that. Tell me about that and then tell me about what this last year has been like. Yeah, so we started prepare for this unknown, I don't know, four four or five years ago. When we launched a sales team here at FastSpring, we made the decision since we were global and we were selling to these SMB companies that we didn't really want to build an outsider, a field sales team. But that meant there were some complexities to, to figure out. We're selling a product that's highly considered, mission critical, costs our customers a lot of money, and that those things don't typically line up with inside sales. So we spent a lot of time getting our sales process, figuring out how to connect and engage with folks all over the world just via Zoom and with our video. And we set up a lot of tech stack to, to ensure that we did it in a productive, but more important, repeatable way that you know, enabled us as leaders to learn from everything that was happening and take best practices and roll them out faster, et cetera. How was the year in 2020? When we went through our sales kickoff, I started by saying, I'm going to review the list of all the things that happened in 2020. And of course, one thought I was going to go through the horrible list that we've all seen of all the crazy <laughs> things. And instead, I just went through the list of all the accomplishments that the sales team had. And it was a mile long and a much happier way to talk about last year. But in many ways, it was business as normal for us. All of our technology was set up. We're using soft phones. Everything's recorded. Salesforce is integrated with everything we do. Apps aren't kind of tasked with a bunch of busy work to log events or notes. Everything's very automated. So for us... From a technology standpoint, it was fairly straightforward and easy to start working from home. I'll be honest, though, we un the human impact that it would have. So in, in many ways, last year was our best year. We closed more than we'd ever closed. Our business is booming. Great. But in many ways, it was also the challenging year in that we have 40 or so folks that are early on in their sales career, and they're very social beings. And are, even though we have a lot of process set up, we have a lot of osmosis and peer-to-peer -peer learning that happens in our office that we just lost. Mm -hmm. Lost a lot of camaraderie, and it's tough to figure out how to manage in that environment. Totally. So... It sounds like you guys are really leaning into an inside sales approach. What is the delineation in, in your mind in reference of like inside versus outside sales for those listening? Yeah, good question. Uh, certainly the lines are becoming more and more blurred as technology is improving for sales reps. But in 2020, the lines got really blurred because no one could visit any <laughs> and, and travel yeah. was limited. But traditionally, the way I think about kind of traditional field sales are sales teams that have assigned geographical territories and that are in territory for 
a given percentage of, of their sales activities. And maybe they live there, maybe they travel there, but they spend time knocking on doors, building relationships. And typically those sales models are restricted to selling to larger mid-market or enterprise companies, mostly because of the, of the, the economics. And inside sales, you know, I think historically was the opposite. It was originally designed to really take advantage of some of the benefits of having a salesperson, but doing it on a lower cost, lower price point product, potentially something that is quite commoditized and getting the advantages of a salesperson, but not the expense of a traveling, much more experienced sales rep. So that's kind of how I describe the delineation. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, totally. That makes a ton of sense. So. I just wanted to clarify that for those listening, because it sounds like you've had a lot of success taking on this inside sales approach. And that sounds really awesome. Yeah. We really started at the previous organization I was with and I was the first salesperson. I think we had 20 folks or so. Now they're a public company, thousands of employees, and they're doing really great. In the early days there, we were trying to I guess, experiment with connecting and engaging with customers in a way that was remote so that we could get our our costs down. And I think we built a lot of expertise there and it went really well. And now, like I said, that line is is really blurred. The things I described for a lot of fields, larger ticket items, selling to bigger companies are not necessarily just an attribute of field sales anymore. We're very much proving that you can do those things remotely if you're thoughtful about it. That's awesome. So... What are some ways in which you build lifelong relationships with your customers? Obviously, you have a ton of experience in sales and you've, you've grown companies. And that's an amazing story, the fact that you went from 20 people to you know, being large and public. What have you learned along the way when it comes to building relationships? Yeah, that's a good one. If I remembered everything I learned along the way, we'd be here for hours. <laughs> And also, I'd be, I'd be much smarter than I am because I'm pretty sure I've forgotten a lot of the things that I learned. <laughs> but I think being thoughtful is not the right word, but being specific about what you're trying to accomplish with your teams has, has really helped. And I'll give you a couple of, of lessons. I think one is early on in my sales career, I, I heard from everyone that I talked to about sales that it was all about relationships. It was all about building relationships. And for me, I went to ASU for mechanical engineering. So for me, it was much more of a process, much more analytical than building relationships. And listen, I think I'm just as outgoing as the other salesperson in the room, but it just didn't compute to me. I couldn't put relationships on a spreadsheet. And As we grew our sales team, what we found is that some of the best sales folks were ones that were genuinely interested in helping their customers' business and really had a passion for helping them. And we had just gotten love on that our product really customers, and we found the person that was passionate about helping customers. And in those cases, many of the salespeople weren't actually that great at building relationships. And I don't think this is a surprise to a ton of people. There's books out there like The Challenger that prove this, but living through it, this was long before the Challenger book was out, it was uh, really eye-opening in that contrary to popular belief at the time, if you did a really good job at helping improve that person's business, that customer's business, and in doing so their lives, you would create a, a lifelong partnership and relationship, right? That it wasn't about knowing what the weather was and knowing their kids' names. And certainly things like CRMs have helped there. The amount of people I've talked to and, and asked how Susie was only because it was in my notes in front of me <laughs> are, are countless. But 
I guess that's the part that we focus on. That's the biggest learning I had. I have two really interesting stories there. There's one and and a couple of the folks that I still today remember this, but and they make fun of me for it. But there there was a point conference and I'm walking through the conference where one of our current customers at the time just came running at me through the conference, screaming my name. And I had just a look of terror on my face because I had no idea who this woman was. And she came up and she gave me a hug and she started talking and started asking me questions about training my salespeople and if I would help her train her salespeople. And when she left, I turned to my, all my salespeople and I said, who the hell is that? <laughs> and it was just an interesting experience because she was similar to your question. She was asking me how to train her salespeople to build great relationships. She felt like she had a great relationship with me. I had no idea who she was. But later, when I looked up who she was, I knew who her business was. And I knew the story of her business. And it was that kind of partnership, I think, that made her feel like she had a great lifelong relationship with me. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, that, I think the other, one of the other, I'll give, you, I'll give you two things. One other story is that one of the best friends that I, and longest relationships that I created, didn't buy from me for years. He eventually bought from one of my colleagues after I had moved out of that department. But I spent so much time with him talking and learning about his business, giving him ideas on ways to improve and learning from him on ways that I could improve my pitch that it just wasn't a fit at that point. But we built so much mutual respect that, that we ended up becoming friends and we're scuba diving together. And then we'd get up to the top and he'd joke about how he's never going to buy anything from me. <laughs> um, I joke how I wasn't going to pay him for all the rental equipment that he rented for me. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it's just a mutual respect. I hope everyone listening is turning their, their cameras on when they're selling now. But for those of you who aren't, this was eight years ago when GoToMeeting first launched, I can't remember what they called it, HD Video, I think, or HD Faces, they called it. But we were in a beta class of HD Faces. I forced one of my sales teams to use it on every single call. All of the prospects thought it was weird. None of them turned their cameras on, but we just left ours on anyway. And the other sales team didn't turn theirs on. And we improved close rates 44% on the team oh. that, that had their camera on. Again, I guess just to belabor my point, I think oftentimes we're focused too much on what we need back to tell us that, that we're building a, a lifelong relationship. But really, if we're just very purposeful about things we're taking, we can build a lifelong relationship with somebody just by being human. Love that. Those are awesome stories. And I love the fact that you come from a background of engineering and it isn't strictly relationship building and personality and all that. What are some aspects that you've learned from engineering that apply to sales? Like how have you developed these processes to sell and the systems and all that? What have I learned? from engineering and, and how have I applied it to, to sales and sales leadership. I think the most simple lesson is that you start with the endpoint in mind and then build backwards from that and build a repeatable process. I think that's the easiest lesson that I learned from engineering. And in, in the conversation we're having about building relationships, you could do the same thing. You could say, I want to have a great relationship. In engineering, that's not exactly measurable. And so instead 
you may come up with the actions from the prospect that would tell you you've built a, a great relationship and say, all right, now how can I get to a point where the process I'm building is always going to result in the prospects taking so the time, the prospects taking these actions, which tell me I've built a great relationship. But I think that's one of the ways. The other is just thinking of everything as a input and output and trying to look for, first of all, building a repeatable process so that you have a, a trend line and then looking for outliers. I'll give you a good example. When you have an inside sales team and they're all taking the same actions, and when I say that, I don't mean they don't have their own personalities. Everyone should bring their own personality. Uh, but everybody should be going through the same process, be learning the same things on discovery calls, be messaging in the same way, be targeting the same personas, et cetera. When you have a, when you have a standardized process, what you start to see is areas where the whole team is underperforming. There's opportunity areas. I like to call them these micro-conversion opportunities, right? So maybe the whole team isn't converting as many of the folks that take a first call into a demo. And you can focus on that and up-level the entire team. Everyone gets better like this one big machine. The other thing you can look for are outliers that are performing either. I think the one all sales managers look for are the ones that are underperforming on any given piece. If everybody's doing the same thing and someone has a lower close rate, you focus on that, right? But the more extensive to me, outliers that are outperforming everyone by a landslide in very small ways, not necessarily total conversion rate or win rate or, or some of those others that we think of. But I'll give you another story I had in doing this in my sales team. This is actually a previous sales team. In, in doing this, I found that one of our sales reps had the shortest time from a closing call to an actual signed contract by days and days. In fact, his closing average was less than a day. He was always closing them on the call. Right? <laughs> so of course, this is in the day when every call wasn't required. I'd have a really easy way of identifying what he was doing. But instead, I just shadowed him and I had to do it in a way that it wasn't too obvious. I was only shadowing that one call. Otherwise, it might change his behavior, natural behavior. And what I found is what ended up becoming the drink of clothes. And this is going to sound very corny, but it worked amazingly. And that is that when he was, his natural behavior was to present the order form at the end of the call or the end of our sales process, he would present the order form and then he would give the person space to think through the form and just say, Hey, it's in your email. Why don't you pop it open? I'm going to go grab a drink of water and be back in you know two or three minutes. And he'd leave and actually go get a drink of water. And everybody would stare at the thing. I don't know what goes through their brain, but then they would just sign it. <laughs> it was an incredible thing. Nice. Um, and so it became a part of our sales process. You know, you're, you're training in a, as a new salesperson, and you knew that you knew that when you got to the end of the process and you showed them the order, that you would have them show their screen to make sure that the email, and then you'd either go get a drink of water or go get a coffee, or awkwardly stand just out of the, the video because you were too nervous to, to do one of those two things. It, it worked. It worked great. Oh, interesting. Did you ever dig into why it works at all? Or I'm, I'm really, I'm like, I'm racking my brain. I'm like, oh, there must be some kind of psychological thing there or something. Yeah, I think in, I think, the other guidance I have 
for anyone that's deciding to get into to inside sales is that if the wheels aren't shaking, you're not going fast enough. And all these things, I think, naturally, I want to ponder them and come up with a hypothesis and try and test it and see where it lines up psychologically. I agree with you. I think it's a very interesting phenomenon, but I didn't have time. Had to find the next bright spot, roll love that it. out to everybody. It, you know, it just becomes this flywheel. Yeah, I love that. You're like, it works. Let's keep it going. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what key advice should other sales leaders and, and those on their teams take away from you? Obviously, you lead a pretty big sales team now. You've led a lot of teams in the past. What key advice, and you've had a lot of good advice in this, but what should be the key takeaway for these people listening? Key takeaway. I think two, I'll give you two things. It's hard to focus on one. One, and this took me a long time to, to learn in my career, to be honest, but one is that if you're managing or, or running building a sales team, you're just building a group of people. And they're all people. And my, my, one of my favorite bosses told me that people are messy. And that, that is always true. It's, the more you can get your systems in order, get your processes in order, get your trainings in order, and have that machine running, the more kind of natural time you have to focus on the people and help be help them solve problems in business or in their life in their careers and and be compassionate when you need to and hard and hold them accountable when you need to and have the hard kind of conversations with folks. So that I think that would be one that if you're running a sales team, that means you're just managing people and people are messy and get everything else in order so that you can focus the right amount of time on it. I think the other one is in, instead of assuming the way that it's always been done is right and kind of accepting the status quo, which I, I get is, is pretty lame advice, but uh, it, it, question the status quo on every part of your sales process. Every business is different. Every customer is different. I'll tell people that we don't have territories and they'll think that I'm crazy. I'll, I'll tell people that our sales reps go through the technical implementation and that's part of their job. And they'll think that's not a good use of, of their time. And in many businesses, those two things are true. Uh, in my business, those two things happen to, to not be true. And so if you out with the result you want and then really trying to have an open mind and, and work backwards through all the different ways you could accomplish it, you might find something that, that works that isn't common knowledge. Nice. Oh, very cool. Hey, Brian, this was great to have you on. I appreciate your time and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge here. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Hopefully, hopefully I provided something someone can take away and I look forward to listening to your other, other episodes and taking away some tips as well. Well, totally.